Hello and welcome to Panels in Motion, the podcast where we read a comic, watch the movie adaptation, and figure out what went right, or what went wrong. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about uh, Ghost World, which was written and illustrated by Dan Klaus, released by Fantagraphics, originally serialized in the underground comics magazine 8-Ball, issues 11 through 18. Um, so 8-Ball specifically was a hallmark of the 90s uh, underground indie comics movement, and uh, Dan Klaus was kind of a poster child for that. Um, and once Ghost World became collected, once that run of 8-Ball ended, um, it just became sort of one of the more well-known graphic novels of the time and sort of helped push the medium forward. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the 2001 movie that was adapted from it. So first off, before we go into comic book thoughts, I just want to tell you guys one, I know I used the term bombshell last time and it wasn't exactly correct, <laughs> but I genuinely think that this is a bombshell. And it is about- In what, in what way? Oh, you'll Sorry. see, Luke. You'll see. I think okay. that if I had okay. to like say bombshell, like out of everything we've read, I think that this one m might be the one. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what it's going to be, Andre? I don't know. All I wrote on the outline was SLB. Do you know what that stands I've, I've, for? I've been looking at this. Uh, <laughs> senior <laughs> laborer, okay. bad boy. That is incorrect. Oh. So it stands for Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does he have to do with that? Dan Klaus <laughs> is actually kind of responsible his brother oh he's kind of responsible for the entire uh shia labeouf going crazy and doing his performance art what <gasps> what i love it what he's the reason we have that amazing like 24 hour or mm -hmm. like that whole video stream Hashtag watching. All, all my movies yeah Oh my god, wait, oh. so, wait, hold on. So, the reason, How I'll just this, explain, yeah. This is the real, this is a real motherfucking bomb. Yeah, that's why I was like, <laughs> I know I used the term lightly last time, but I'm deadly serious this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain. So, Dan Klaus, um, because he was, like, just super well-known, his work has been out there. Shia LaBeouf must have come in contact with it at some point. Mm -hmm. So, after a few years right. of Shia LaBeouf kind of being off the radar, didn't really do any movies, didn't do any TV shows. Like, after like holes? That. Post holes, yes. <laughs> like, years post holes. No, I know. Like, as, as, as an adult. Years post even Stevens, even. And oh. Transformers, after Transformers post as well. Post Transformers, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so, post everything. Post everything. What is this um, post Indiana Jones? Yeah. Yes. That was, like, the, oh. that was his prime. Yeah, so... All of a sudden, uh, Shia LaBeouf posts this video online and he's like, check out my short film, everyone. And it was just a direct plagiarism of a Dan Klaus short story. And what? like people, what? everybody like commented on Twitter about it. They were like, this is a direct plagiarism of a Dan Klaus story. And like direct plagiarism, like he took the characters, the plot, he like, took everything and just made it into a short film. Did he like, know that he did that? Or do you think he was just, yes, um, he did it on purpose because like <laughs> the next day after people were calling him out, he was like, I'm so sorry, Dan Klaus. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And then, wait, wait, what is Shia LaBeouf thinking doing that? Wait, That's so, so, so messed up. So he went back and forth and like one day he'd be like, I'm so sorry. And then one day he'd be like, Fuck Dan Klaus. And then the day after that, he literally hired a skywriter to write, I'm so sorry, Dan Klaus. What? In the sky. That's amazing. This is, this is like actually insane. Like, this is oh, a bombshell. That's a bombshell. What? And so. I can't believe he did that. Wait, it, it went back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Shia LaBeouf like went silent for two weeks. <laughs> and then the next time he appears, he has the bag over his head that says, I'm not famous oh, anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's yes. the art project. And that's kind of his first yes. um, public that, art. Yeah. That was the beginning of his uh, like performance art career. Well, I just want to say that um, I'm surprised. I didn't know that about <laughs> him. I do know that he became a performance artist. And, and I got to say, like, I, I know there's a lot of Shia LaBeouf hate in this world. I actually like him. I actually uh -huh. like his, like, performance art. I think that his performance art is interesting. And, and I mean, it definitely it definitely explores fame and, 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 and in a way that other performance artists really can't. So mm -hmm. I actually really like it. I mean, I'm not, not, like, sitting here, like, enjoying his performance art every day of my life. But it's kind of crazy to think that it all started because he plagiarized somebody. Mm -hmm. And he felt bad about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, he That's, felt bad, and then he didn't, and, and then, then he did, did and then he and didn't. He didn't. <laughs> like, Dan Klaas didn't really respond at first. Wait, so and it was just Shia going back and forth on his own. So what happened with Dan Klaas during this whole process? Was Dan Klaas just, like, quiet the entire time? At a certain point, he had his uh, lawyer send a cease and desist after, like, after the short film, and then th- during his rebellious, one of his rebellious days, Shia was like, uh... I'm creating I'm creating a new short film. It's called David Boring and it was based on or Daniel Boring and it was based on a Dan Klaus comic called David Boring and he was very clearly directly <laughs> purposely plagiarizing it. And then Dan Klaus lawyer sent a cease and desist. And that was like all that Dan Klaus had to do with it. So he he had no like public statements, like he didn't go on Instagram and was like fuck Shia LaBeouf. He literally no. just did one legal document. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Well, I mean, he's an older guy. I imagine that he doesn't really have time to fuck with someone like Shia LaBeouf, who's kind of a kid at that point. I think he's like in his 50s now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you know if we can watch the short film? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a really big disservice for. Yeah, I'm sure it's available out there somewhere on the dark web. We got to find it. I got to find it. Wow, Nick, that was a legit bombshell. Yeah. So I'm glad I could keep that under wraps with our SLB. All right, so we can get into the book discussion now that we have that out of the way. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Who should we start with? I know, <laughs> honestly... I haven't started since... since yeah, since. I was going to say Andre, because he's the only one who I don't really know. I'm the swing vote of this podcast. Like, like you mm-hmm. are in, and Luke are pretty consistent with what you don't like and what you like. And I'm like always like, hmm, I like that. You're, you're Florida. I'm I'm floor no I'd say I'm more like I'm more like Ohio. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, okay. Ohio, take us away. First. Okay, so <laughs> I guess I want to say that I really like the book. Um, I um went into it. I literally had no idea what this was. Never heard about it in my life. Um, obviously, I started reading it and I got the vibe and I immediately like had a Dario like like sarcastic vibe, like very like uh like dry humor, and I appreciate that. I mean, I read the book. Um, in like two settings and I genuinely, genuinely liked it. I really did. I thought that it was, um, really good at capturing this really like weird moment in life when you graduate high school. And it was really good at showing two people who aren't going to high to college and aren't following that traditional path. And like, kind of like that awkwardness right before the life change, their life changes. So I thought that it was really cool, but ultimately what I really loved, I thought it was a really great story about friendship and about um, how easily that can be lost um, and how much somebody can mean something to you at a specific moment in time and how that can change very quickly. So I thought that it was really deep. I thought that it was um, really funny. I thought that it was really good at capturing a moment and a specific moment in time, like not only just their time, but in the 90s, like when this was made, like this captured that 90s culture so well, like everything is like seemingly great in the world and we're going to go out and we're going to try to be amazing things because like we want to be uh, successful people like the successful people of the 90s were um, just kind of general, obviously broad strokes here, but, but these two people are like, fuck that, like, fuck the system, you know? And I think that that was really good at capturing that specific sentiment of that specific time of that specific age demographic. So I did like it. I thought it was great. Now the movie is a different story, but I, I, we can get to that later. Yeah. All right. So Luke, what do you think? Oh boy. So when I found out that, that we, we were going to be reading this, uh, one, this is the only book that I own physically, and two, the the only I, but you don't own any other books. No Luke? books at all. I this is the only one I have it on a little <laughs> pedestal with a light. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I just stare at it before I go to sleep. No. Oh, okay. Um. So this is the only book I own physically because uh, only comic book that we've discussed oh. that I own physically, and I got it somewhere in Manhattan like a year and a half ago. And then I was like, oh, Ghost World, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson, you know, hipster movie, movie, like top 100 movies and graphic novels you gotta read, blah, 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 blah. So I don't remember why, but I was sitting in a coffee shop trying to read this thing, like the classic New Yorker I am, and I got maybe 10 pages into it, which is really nothing. This isn't including the like eight pages of like, uh, like table of contents and stuff and i fucking hated it so goddamn much and it is i had to find it 
I had to find it. What did you not when like you about got it? The characters were wait, annoying. Luke, Luke you I, had to find it? I thought you had it on a pedestal with a light shining on it. Yeah. <laughs> See, wait, Luke, when I read this, I thought this was a Luke book. I got to say, like, I got the, it's got such that, like, counterculture <laughs> vibe that's like, we are hipsters and cool. Like, I just felt like this is Nick, this is, kind of sounds like Luke shit, you know? No. So I was no, really surprised not, to hear that. See, this is the counterculture, like, hipster vibe that I steer as far away from as possible because in the end because in the end really, you're really just a yuppie it's Ooh. you're you're Ooh, really just gotcha, bitch. <laughs> Ooh, i gotta throw out my vinyl <laughs> but in the in the end it's really just people who are the fucking high schoolers that think that they're way cooler than everyone else because <laughs> i wear fucking horn rim glasses and listen to the fucking uh Ramones listen to vinyl records that no one else listens to and they go to fucking zine stores but they're too cool for the people who go to zine stores and they just any anyone who is slightly normal they're a loser and oh this is our cafe no one else can hang out in this fucking cafe i just i it took me i i wanted to like i put out time for the last week to read this book and it wasn't until last night before we had the last moment that I had to read it that I sat down with the shittiest beer that I had in my fridge that a friend brought that it's I had one sip of it. It was so bad that I threw it out, but still have one. left. So much drama. And I was Jesus. like, this beer that is really shitty will be better than this book and I have to be a little bit Whew. tipsy oh to finish it. Luke, I and don't that understand. is what I think tipsy, Luke, about tipsy this fucking book. Tipsy from one once, sip of beer. Yeah. <laughs> once this pod, once this pod, like. no, I finished the beer. I finished the beer. Oh, oh thank once God. this podcast Ooh. is done, I am donating this book in one of those free fucking libraries in Brooklyn and I'm never seeing it ever so, again. So Luke, so Luke, did, was this like your least favorite book of all time? Yes. <laughs> like what's, of everything ever you've read. Yeah. And that's why he owns it. And, and that's why else. I own it. <laughs> well, Luke, I find it kind of interesting. I got, I'm going to challenge you here. I'm going to, I think it's funny how you took the mean spirit of the book and of the characters rather, not the book. And I think it's interesting how you took offense to it. And I wonder why. So, okay. So my overall thoughts, I'm sort of in between you two. I liked it, especially the second half. I connected to like yeah, what the characters were going definitely. through and all that. Yes, I, I like, agree that the second half was way better. But but sorry. I also I felt a lot of what Luke felt in the book. Um, however, I mean, me too. But it's, yeah, it's like I'm I'm not sure how to feel. So it leads me to a few questions that I wanted us to discuss. I actually I want to start out with. Wait, so what did you think? I still don't understand. I liked it, but. There were parts where I wasn't sure about like how I should be feeling about it. And we'll we'll discuss that. Okay. Yeah. So I think we should talk about the Daria connection. And so since Andre mentioned it, I think the book comes for sure out of the same cultural moment as Daria. Mm -hmm. It has that same sort of thing. But I think Daria was all about um it was all about this girl who sees the world for what it is and doesn't give in to anybody else's BS. Whereas Ghost World was about girls who are so disillusioned with the world that they create their own BS. system of BS. Yeah, And yeah. so I think yeah. those are just two very different approaches to this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I agree, but the reality is still the same, you know? I mean, I never thought, I never read it and thought, like, these characters are great. Like, these character, characters are are such well, like, wise, wonderful people. Yeah, yeah. And you're not supposed to, yeah, obviously. exactly. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to, like, the question of how do you enjoy things? And, like, do you just enjoy people being shitty? <laughs> I mean, I mean, here's the thing. You got to also understand, like, I mean, you, you understand. I mean, we all understand. But this was a serialized book. I mean, if, if this guy sat down from the beginning and was like, I'm going to write a cohesive, like, novel about these two friends, he probably would have been a little bit more nuanced in the way that he mm -hmm. delivered, like, their kindness and the way that he delivered their, their like, doubts about their own BS. And he even did, with the very little that he did, had, he did do that, especially with the whole scene with Seymour in the book, where, mm -hmm. where, where she goes back and she tips Weird Al a little bit extra 
extra because she feels bad, you know? Yeah. So, so with the little that he had, he was able to deliver an element of nuance that you immediately don't feel. Imagine what it would have been is if he had this vision for this bigger storyline in his head and he executed from the start. So when you read it, mm-hmm. you got to read it for what it is. It's a serial, it's a, it's an episodic story that appeared as an anthology in a giant volume of, of, of random stories about re- of weird people, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think- see, I, I, I got to be honest. I didn't know that it was serialized before. Classically. Yeah, dude, I don't know how the fuck you know. <laughs> There's I, a table I, of I, contents at the yeah. beginning with the, with I the do, chapters. I, you think I read the, why would I read the table of contents? Am I going it, to, it's a, it's a, how, how, it's an 80 page book. I'm not going to get lost. Like, <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but apparently. When, when, when did. I, when. I did, I did. But (laughs) if I did, if I was reading this in like, you know, single issue forms or like, you know, in the back of a comic, like in the back of a newspaper or some shit like that, I would think I would like it much better. But reading it as a whole and then just seeing how these characters, like, they just seem to, their, like, character traits just seem to pop all over the place. I, I just, I, I didn't like it until mm-hmm. basically the end. Yeah, and I think, and I I think like, that okay, that's... I actually if if the ending if if it was more like that, then I would have preferred it much better. But yeah, and I think that it. Um, I, I think that that's just to like a a, a a a testament to the fact that I don't think selling this as its own book did a lot of justice to the story. Like I thought mm-hmm. that it was a lot more powerful than it could have been. Um, be as a its own book you know and i think that just putting together four anthology stories to basically essentially or four, four or six eight, uh, eight yeah. okay um <laughs> I, I think just putting together like eight anthology stories um it, it doesn't tell like a bigger like story arc you know only towards the end you start feeling that so i mean yeah so i going back to what you're saying before about like how he did a lot with a little i think the fact that it was done in individual like short chapters especially toward the beginning i think it really allowed you to feel for the characters by the end of each chapter 100 so like every six to eight pages you'd get some moment where like yes they're being shitty but like there's always some sort of either karma or something to just like show that they are human and they're growing and they're growing yeah exactly and like even like the moment where she runs back to the yard sale everything's gone except for the one thing that she actually cared about exactly i felt that yeah like i I felt for her even though like she's just clearly not she just left her shit there yeah (laughs) yeah 100 percent. i i i I, I felt that but at the same time i'm like good good yeah well i don't understand that like i don't understand that hatred towards characters who are young and trying to understand their place in this world like i don't understand that like honestly Mm -hmm. i'm gonna call you out on your shit luke i think that that hatred towards young characters just because they're obnoxious fucks like they're clearly not bad people and i think that the fact that the book was about two characters who were questionable in the and their actions but ultimately learn from it because they do i don't understand why that hits so close to home and and why there's such a hatred towards it i almost find it a little bit insulting because there are two female characters. Is that what you don't like? They're abrasive females. Like, what about Beavis and Butthead? Those two are like the biggest assholes that you can imagine on television, but people love them. There were like multiple seasons of that. So why do men get the opportunity to be fucking dicks and women don't? You know? So that's that's where I'm going to question you on your thoughts on that. I think it's a little bit unfair. See, I, I think it's just that personally, back in high school, I knew a lot of people like this or, you know, you'd see them at parties or, you know, you'd see them at the Wendy's after school or something like that. And I just never really understood why they were like that. And then even into college when I was, you know, hanging out with the punks and going to, you know, DIY venues, there was still people like this, but then it was just starting to get to the age of, you know, not the age uh, years wise, but the uh, society, age society wise where people are like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't, you know, say the R word in every other sentence or, you know. Well, I, well, I, I know that. But I, I, yeah. And it just, I, when I was reading this, and I, it obviously this book came out in what the, the it, 90s. It triggered you. <laughs> yeah. It, I was like, I don't want to be reading thing. I don't want to be reading this book about people that I know personally that I have just had such a distaste for. Well, like, I, I want to read something where either I connect with a character or I don't connect with a character, but there's a reason why instead of just their 
angsty teenagers who don't know what to do with their life and then they well i get i get that, that. I, I, I get that but i think that okay well first of all there's two things to this okay the first thing is i understand this might trigger you this like negative feeling of the past for you that you're like oh i knew people like this they were assholes one point okay that's totally valid and, and understand and understandable but then there's a second thing which this is its own story its own narrative this is a, a nuanced portrayal of pe real people who do real things or or whether they're fucked up or not and i think that um, I think that to consume a story just because you want to love the characters is the wrong way to do it. Uh, I think that to take this story, no matter, there are flaws, obviously, I'm not saying it's a perfect story, but to take this story and to just simply say, I hate characters like that. I don't want to read it. I don't think that's, I don't think that's good for you. I don't think that's a good way for you to consume that story because there's so much to take from it. I mean, like, don't you think like don't you clearly see that, like, um, for example, um, Rebecca's character, she doesn't have a parent. She doesn't have mom or a dad. What does that say about her character? Or what about Eden, who didn't have yeah, a mother, yeah. who had a bunch of a bunch of different stepmothers? You, There is elements to each of those characters that we don't see when we know them in real life. But when you have the opportunity to portray them in a story, you're able to understand the context behind why people are assholes sometimes, you know? So I think that... I think you're closing your you're you're closing your horizons when you look at a story from the frames of like do I like this character or not you know I think it's a very one dimensional way to experience a story. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but they're abrasive women. Fuck them. I mean, I I'm on I'm on I'm on the last season of Girls, and I hate girls, but oh. I like the cinematography. Yeah, so. Luke, I wanted to like mention that. So the other day we were talking about, um like you and I were talking about the showgirls and how like it's definitely supposed to be a criticism of that, like moving to New York, like white girl culture. And yet in a lot of cases it falls into like just being and sort of glorifying that. And like, because it has too much sympathy for its main character. And so yeah, I was wondering, yeah. do you feel like this story falls into the same sorts of traps? And I, I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is Luke thinks it doesn't, Andre thinks it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Oh. I, I, I think it, I think it does one hundred percent. What? Wait, you, although, you, wait. How did you think that? You literally just said that you hate these characters. How, how is it more sympathetic to the characters? No, not necessarily be, because it's sympathetic, but because of the way that it portrays them, it ends up, uh, it sympathizes with the culture too much as opposed to the people and. I like, as opposed to the human element. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Luke. You can continue. I just, I just thought that I don't think what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm on the the same side as what Nick was saying. Basically, well, yeah, I yeah, was, I was quoting I, I, what your perspective I, is, Luke. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like the the writer went out to you know, like if if a, a lot of the things that you were talking about are in nuance, and maybe maybe it was the fact that I read it yesterday instead of you know a week ago I read it through it two or three times also you had preconceptions but I had yeah kind of, well, yeah no but <laughs> I don't know um uh, I I do feel like he maybe could have done a better job of being like maybe yeah sure you're not supposed to like these characters but you are supposed to care about them in some way and these are the reasons why like you were saying how you know, she only has a grandmother, you know, the stepmother, stuff like that. But it really, like, I I don't, it just did not do it for me. And it, it never opened up that horizon that you were talking about of, like, I should be thinking about these characters from a, a higher perspective than just you're being shitty assholes. Can I, I, I want to say something. I haven't seen Girls, so I can't really comment to that. But I can just say about this book, um, I although I, I see what you're saying, Luke, I understand like how this can make you be sympathetic to those characters. I think that the key difference between this and what I understand of girls um, from the one episode I've seen and from like the general essence of what you've t told me, Nick, is that this book, um, it's not really glorifying it. It's it's making you sympathetic to them, but it's not glorifying their lives at all. I mean, they end up sad. And they, yeah. they, it's, it's a and sad girls, ending. Girls is like that too. Oh, it is? Okay. But at the same time, like- yeah it has too much sympathy for its characters to where like it feels too much on the side of like this culture is good and okay 
as opposed to this culture is harming these people. How, what do you think about it since you've seen both of them? So in terms of Ghost World, I think I think it was definitely critical because like I said, at the end of every chapter, it like made a point of being like, they're not happy being this way. Like there is something deeply wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And like that wasn't necessarily the point. What you see for the majority of the story is just them being bad. And yet, like, it's still, yeah, it definitely, I don't think, I think Dan Klaus does sympathize with them a lot, but I think he's also very careful about it. That makes sense. Whereas I I feel like Lena Dunham isn't careful enough. Good point. I get what you're saying. Well, another point is they're literally high schoolers. Girls yes. is about adult women. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So it's also a huge difference. You you have to be you have to be sympathetic to kids. They're early twenties, but I, I, dude, early twenties is adult. Yeah. Okay. If you're if you're still a kid in your early twenties, then you're you're clearly something's wrong. Like like <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. like when you look at a like, kid, like Lena Dunham's character in Ghost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but when you're looking at a kid, like you have to be sympathetic. I mean, like you have to believe in in the future of a child who is literally in like a huge transition point. Like you can't shoot a kid down, an eighteen year old kid down for being an asshole, be and, and say you're an asshole because then they never have the opportunity to grow. And that period between yeah, yeah. eighteen and like twenty five or even twenty is a huge opportunity for someone to just become an, an adult and become a better person, you know? So um, I guess in, in, a, in a way, um, from what you said, Nick, I think that that's, that's true. I think that, th- that he identified, understood that. So mm-hmm. that's cool. I don't really want to watch yeah. Girls now that you said that. <laughs> the, I, I only watched the first season and I feel like, like that taken as its own piece of media, it works. Got it. Yeah. Oh, no. The cinematography is great. Everything cinematography is great. (laughs) So um, moving on a little bit. I agree with that, though. (laughs) Most things have very good cinematography, but not necessarily (laughs) great writing. Yeah. Um, The art. How'd you guys feel about the like caricature style? Um, If you want. Yeah, I'll I'll start with this. I thought it worked very well for this um, because it sort of it depicted these characters as these like larger than life personas and just everything about them is a little exaggerated. And that's how Klaus depicts the characters in terms of their viewpoints. Everything is a little bit exaggerated. Um, and so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's also like, you can tell that he was very influenced by underground cartoonists like Robert Crumb, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about more later. yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see how he was very much a product of his time and yet, I think there's an element to the work that is timeless because it it depicts the story so well. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I thought that the character um, style worked. Um, and furthermore, I thought that the inking, um, the coloring, is that what you call it? Yeah, the, the coloring because it was like a monotone. Yeah. Shadows, I yeah. want that was a specific point I wanted to make. I don't normally make points on the arts. So this was like while I was reading it, I was like, damn, this works so well. And I thought two things. First of all, the the way that it plays with light is really essential because it's really cool in the specific scenes where it's darkness and it's darkness within the character. And I thought that that played nicely. Like it's it's mm-hmm. instead of painting it over, instead of doing the coloring over exactly, instead of doing the coloring over white, he'll do the coloring over like a black panel so that you feel that it's night, you know? It's really cool. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's mm-hmm. kind of weird I can't really define it, but you feel it because of his amount, the amount he uses black and white. And, um, and, and then the blue, wherever is blue is the midtones. So I thought that that was really interesting. I've never really seen that. Um, but I do want to say that, um, I think that the coloring was also interesting that he chose to do that. Like, like this is light, this is dark, this is midtones. And then he used that blue to define the midtones essentially. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was interesting because it kind of perfectly represented that like drab moment of life between high school and being an adult. Yeah. And I thought that that really worked for that story. Mm-hmm. And in the, uh, in the original issues, like some of them were green, some of them were red, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, okay. when it was all collected, why, he why chose red? to make it all blue. That's an interesting decision. And I think it really gives that bluish melancholy, melancholy vibe. And I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luke, what about you? Um, in regards to the character, character um, style, I liked, you know, I liked how the main character, like, the main characters were designed, but because of my obvious way of thinking of where these girls are just basically making fun of everyone that isn't their friend, I kind of saw it as these people are ugly looking, like not because of who they actually are, but because 
it's sort of like a how they saw them as so like the creepy guy with the buck teeth and the the mm-hmm. big nose yeah. is you know he's a loser or you know <laughs> uh, that's true that's yeah. a very like that's a very i guess like underground cartoonist way of seeing the world and like yeah. depicting it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, or like I, I can see like the the large font yeah <laughs> he's a loser <laughs> so um moving on did you guys like the more satirical early chapters better or did you prefer the like more serious and emotional ones that came later i i think we've already said this but yeah. i do we all agree that we liked the ending yeah or? i completely agree i i wish i really wish since he went in and changed the color i really wish if he would have made added stories within that i really i don't know like (laughs) because it's like it's not like he wrote that to be one consolidated story so like he could have easily done that you know in many ways Mm -hmm. i wish that the book had more of the ending in the beginning even though the beginning set the tone i feel like like, or like split it up yeah like split up like satirical chapter serious chapter or you know uh, mix them to I don't, m- mix them more together in in some way yeah i feel instead like, of just like yeah i don't all, know all of a sudden care about these characters i feel like editing the stories that he had already written would have been a little bit extra but i feel like it wouldn't have it, it could have been more acceptable if he like inserted like a chapter in between a few of them and like to give it a little bit more context you know because clearly there was more than than, than the surface that we were able to see like you saw that like oh there's stuff in eden's past oh there's stuff in in rebecca's past and I think that um, those things could have been explored a little bit more. Their friendship. I mean, he uses the first three pages of the book to give a quick summary of Eden's life. Like mom yeah, died. Yeah. Um, Rebecca's her best friend. It's there. Now they're graduating. And they, he, mm-hmm. maybe he could have played with that a little bit more. I felt like the friendship was really tight in the book, but I feel like it could have been more emotional. The ending was already emotional as it stands. So mm-hmm. I think that if he added more, maybe like that would have been, that would have been nice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know like production wise, that probably wouldn't have been possible without him like sort of recreating things. Mm, but I see what yeah, and like he also just wanted to move forward as a storyteller. That's a good and point. And this was just more mm-hmm. a way to repackage it. I, he didn't expect this to become like one of the yeah, greatest graphic yeah. novels of all time. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I guess you're right. But um, yeah, I guess maybe me as a consumer, I kind of wanted a little bit more of the ending, but I, mm. I still thought it worked. I really did. Yeah. I I agree, but then like thinking back, I really enjoyed the early chapters. Like thinking back to them, when I first read them, I was like, I don't know, this is like a little too like caustic. Like they're a little mm-hmm. too unlikable. But like, there, I I really enjoyed reading it and then thinking about it. And like the ending emotional stuff worked for me, especially like as it pertained to like specifically a friendship growing apart. But I I feel like there was stuff that was unexplored that i like same as andre was saying that i do wish was explored but i feel like it was more in the execution of the final few chapters than it was in the overall package Hmm. and so honestly i'm not sure if i prefer the beginning or the ending better i i sort of Mm -hmm. like it all for different reasons yeah no i i I get what you're saying and i I think i i understand i i think i'm i think i i I agree with you. I think that the beginning was definitely more memorable in many ways, and I like that a lot. I just, um, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that, I think, about sums it up for the comic. So we're going to move on to the movie. And first off, we're going to take a little break. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Alright, welcome back. We're now going to talk about the movie. Ghost yeah. World! 
directed by Terry Zwigoff from uh, July 2001. It was written by Dan Klaus and Terry Zwigoff. It is starring Thora Birch, Steve Buscemi, and Scarlett Johansson. And fun fact, in 2017, it was picked up by the Criterion Collection. Why? Why I'm did really they pick curious this up? What in was their March? reasoning? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think about it. So um, one other fun fact before we start. Dan Klaus. Um, Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> Shia LaBeouf? I wish. <laughs> not this one's not a bombshell. Um oh. <laughs> Dan Klaus, he started with a direct adaptation of the comic. He basically just put it into his screenwriting software, and then he was like, this doesn't work. So then he ditched it completely, wrote a completely new story, and then he morphed the two. Then while they were shooting, he cut the ending and then they made up the last 20 minutes on the fly while they were filming. Oh, how curious. It's, that's exactly how I watched it. <laughs> like it literally was just made up as they went along. How curious. So, yeah. Jesus so Christ. clearly there are some hot opinions who are going to come in here. Um, one other thing I just want to say, last episode we mentioned this, but this was directed by Terry Zwagoff, who was the director of the documentary Crumb. The weirdest documentary ever, but really good. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite documentaries, really. And um, it was a surprise to me that he directed this, but it also makes sense, as we were saying before, mm-hmm. with like the his interest in the underground comics movement. And um, that also means that he was originally a documentarian. So this was his first narrative feature. So, Andre, we can start with you with your overall thoughts again. What is there to say other than what the fuck? <laughs> like that's all i gotta say i mean we could wrap the podcast up right now like what the fuck all right so luke what about you <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. i'll give my real opinion so so um I, I gotta say that um i was immensely disappointed by the movie i was very pleased with certain things that they did okay like i was very um i thought that a lot of like additions were actually quite nice i really liked the steve buscemi character i like how they took seymour's character and expanded on him really good touch I love how he was into jazz and blues and the bluegrass and shit. But then at the same time, the soul of what made it such a special movie ended up dying in the process and it ended up going nowhere. And and, and I was just immensely disappointed by that. I thought that Rebecca's character was completely redefined in a way that was so typical of, of, of Hollywood. And, um, and and her character was nothing, reduced to nothing and and, and, and meaningless to utter to an, an utter degree of nothingness like she could have been gone and it was nothing on Scarlett Johansson who I thought was really well cast I thought she was really well cast and Mm -hmm. I and I and I'm like not the biggest Scarlett Johansson fan but I've come around to her she was 15 when they made this yeah so dude respect for Scarlett Johansson it's it's disgrace that they wrote such a shit part for her with no character it's like oh yeah we're just gonna make her this friend who's like weirdly clingy and trying to move in with this girl like like what all I gotta say was that it was utterly disappointing and when I finished watching it, I was genuine. It's not even like the mask. Like the mask was different. The mask. <laughs> the mask was a Hollywood big budget feature that was like, okay, I expected this to like go completely in a specific way. But this, on the other hand, it had no reason to do the, to to be what it became because it had the original writer on it. it. It was completely written by the original writer, and I just thought it was like, what the fuck? You fucked up your own thing. It's how I felt after watching Clerks too. I was telling Nick this earlier, Nick. I, I mean, Luke, I was telling this to Nick earlier this week, how the way I felt watching this movie was how I felt when I watched Clerks 2, when I realized that everything that made Clerks 1 special was literally completely forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And it was immensely disappointing. And 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 I guess, once again, if there's one thing I got to say about this movie, disappointment, utter disappointment. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I got to say. Luke, <laughs> how about you? Um, I, 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 I like, well, obviously I, I would like it more than the book, but, um, uh, I do, I do understand where Andre's coming from, where, because of this rewrite and with, I, I, although I did like, uh, Steve Buscemi's character, it did feel much more like an indie Hollywood movie than a, like, if there, there's been a, a pattern lately with Hollywood movies that are based off of other things, like I'm I'm just gonna say it, but like Sonic and stuff like that, where basically, uh, you know, screenwriter or producers will just find a script with a half decent story, change, you know, Jimmy the Rabbit to Sonic the Hedgehog, and then we'll make the movie with that trademark, and it did very much feel like 
a producer found, or, you know, uh, I don't know how to say his last name. So Terry found this comic, mm-hmm. wanted to do it. And it was, they were very much like this movie will make no money if you don't rewrite it to have a, be a romance the whole time, but also put in like, you know, put in six lines that, that are directly from the comic. And then, uh, let, let's put Scarlett Johansson in there. I I don't know. I mean, but, she wasn't Scarlett Johansson back then. She was just a random yeah, girl. But yeah, <laughs> but it 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 did feel like uh, it it was very much a, a adapted so that it you're would right. be. You're right. You're right. I get it, that a misguided yeah. adaptation. And mm-hmm. although I I did like it, just because I mean, if it's not obvious already, I do like watching things in motion than reading. But I, it did sort of lose its uh, unique character. But I, I you know, I, it also does make. I I didn't know that they made up the last twenty minutes, and like Andre said, that does totally make sense because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was like, what the fuck is going on? Okay, she's on. She's on the bus. It, the movie's done. Yeah, and you know, by the way, I want to say, even though I was immensely disappointed, it was watchable. I'll give it yeah. that. So. For me, I um, it was interesting at first. The characters, like, I disliked them in a different way Same. in the movie. Like, they became real to me in the movie. Like, they were clearly depicting real people. Whereas in the book, things were just so slightly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And, like, because mm-hmm. I didn't see a person acting it out in front of me, um, I was able to, like take it more on, I guess, more of an academic level. Yes. Whereas in the movie, I was like, oh, these people. But yeah. you think that they would make but, the, the, the adapt it properly. That's the problem. What? That's the problem, though. You think that they would understand that the medium would change yeah. that. Like, and they, But they did adapt it, but it also was changed in mm-hmm. the process. That's true. And yeah, so that, in addition to the fact that like they wrote it to be one two-hour movie as opposed to a bunch of chapters yeah so whereas i said before i liked in the book how every few pages at the end of a chapter like you got this little moment that was like that really connected you with the characters you didn't really get that until the end yeah and like it was by design but i think it didn't work no you didn't even get that moment till the end because in the end of the movie there was no growth in the end of the movie it was just like i'm gonna run away from my problems it's it's almost like the antithesis of what the book was about like the whole book was about friendship and understanding that you are growing and adapting because Mm -hmm. you will always associate this moment of your life and the way that you used to be to this friend and that's why there's a disconnect there which is like it doesn't have to be like that but it happened that way okay but then the movie on the other hand there's none of that it's like Mm -hmm. i'm an asshole and i'm gonna be an asshole boohoo me i'm gonna ride (laughs) a bus to like neverland i guess i don't fucking know like 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 no growth like the whole scene where she had sex with seymour like yeah i I mean i mean like yeah how how awful is that right how awful of her character to do that and not give Mm -hmm. a single fuck where's the growth that the book had where's the sympathy that you had in the book but like no there's none of that they changed the character they changed what the book was about the book was about friendship and growth the movie was about snotty little brats who don't want to grow up and ru- and they want to ruin people's lives. But Period. to that end, I think Seymour was sort of supposed to be an antidote to that because he was sort of a different kind of misfit outcast who sort of, he was older. So he like, he had sort of grown into himself by that point mm-hmm. and he didn't have the negativity, just like the relentless negativity that the younger people do. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he still sort of sees people the same way. And so I think there was something there between them. Like I really liked their friendship. It Me got too. weird like once that. it, yeah, once it became a relationship, then it was like, okay, this isn't okay. That's not how I wanted yeah. it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or okay. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not how it should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think just them two connecting as two humans that worked for me. It did, right? And I, and I think that. And uh, but the problem is that there was no like. Um, I, I agree. They used Seymour to do that, and it worked. It actually worked really well, in my opinion. Um, but I thought that um, the removal of Rebecca's character essentially to reduce Rebecca's character to this hollow like care mm-hmm. like hollow body that is like let's move in together okay let's do it. <laughs> all right 
Mm-hmm. Bye. Like, like to reduce her to that is to like kind of remove another element of like, where's mm-hmm. that struggle? You know. And- it, it's interesting that you like did the imi- like basically a Scarlett Johansson imitation. Yeah. If she played the like Becky from the comic, she would have been a perfect fit. She, yeah, she was perfectly yeah. cast. That's one thing yeah. I got to say about the movie. It was really well cast. Mm-hmm. It was really but well like cast. her character was written so differently. Yeah, and, like it's not her mu- fault. So much of it was removed. Yeah. yeah, it's not her fault that that role ended up sucking. It, it just like she was a nothing character. Mm-hmm. She ended up being actually more of an asshole. Like. And and honestly, in the books, it's really Rebecca that's the more sympath- the one that you feel more sympathy. Totally, for. yeah, yeah. So she she yeah. became the asshole force, the main force of being an asshole, and Eden became this like 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 awoken person who never really grew up. You know, mm-hmm. they, like it's it just ah. Yeah, Eden throughout the whole movie, I was just like, get over yourself, girl. <laughs> like yeah. you're not what you think you are. You're not how grow shit. up. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like it's it's sad because they they had every opportunity to do different because the fucking creator was writing the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an yeah. utter disgrace. Yeah, I'm I'm they, really they curious. I'm really curious how the production of the movie went because, like, at the end of the day, it's a movie. That's it's true. not, and like they've talked about this in interviews, but they never really talked about the production of it. Mm-hmm. But like, you see this all the time in adaptation stuff. We've talked about it with a comic. It's like. In this case, one person working on a thing. He did like one or two chapters per year. And then like this is a movie where like they were on sort of an accelerated time sure. scale. They had all this money to work with. So like you have mm-hmm. producers trying to like That's a good point. interfere. So there's like just a lot more factors that contribute to why it became such a different beast. Yeah, and I wonder what his opinion is. And 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 with respect, of course. I mean his work is his work and and and, and he's an artist. He tried to do his best. And obviously this the the creating a movie is completely different. So with that said though, I wonder what he thinks of the book of the movie. Does he stand for it? Does he think that the it perfectly encaptures like what he explored in his books? Because it is his work, you know? So what does he yeah. think? Is there any interviews with him out there? They're gonna be on the Criterion uh special features. I'm excited. I still wonder why it's on Criterion Channel. Like, what's the reason? I mean, like, why? (laughs) I think I, so a lot of the time with Criterion movies, it's like they'll pick up movies that represent specific cultures. And so in this case, like you can see, it's definitely that like late nineties, early two thousands, like alternative punk culture. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of people who identify with the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, regardless of whether we think they were well done or not, or mm-hmm. whether or not we like them. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think it it speaks to a certain culture. Yeah, yeah. Love them. Um, yeah, so Seymour, I want to talk more about Seymour, because... Amazing. Yeah, definitely the biggest addition to the movie. 100%, so well done. So first off... Before he became a pedophile. Yeah, I before... Guess she's, I guess she's 18, but that's still weird. It, yeah, I think it... It, 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 like this line. was 20 i'm saying like this was 20 years ago so like maybe the thinking was different but i don't know like clearly today we're like this isn't okay yeah but yeah i don't know um but yeah i before that i really related to his character and like there were so many little things that he said or just ways that he chose to exist or express himself or not express himself that i just really related to and like Luke, you posted something to Instagram last <laughs> night while you were watching the movie, and like I think you agree with the same with yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> you, guys, you guys both have elements of same. Are you right? <laughs> to, uh, to give reference to it, it was during the uh, it was during the scene where Enid and Seymour are in his basically man cave during the party. His his record room. Uh, yeah, yeah, his record room. <laughs> and I literally, I just want to say, I literally have. A comic book room. Yeah. <laughs> like you are Seymour. And wait, oh my god. So, sorry, Luke, I don't mean to steal this no, from you, fine. but like in the in the part right before the clip that you posted was my favorite line from the movie when he's like, Yeah, I have fifteen hundred seventy-eight, so I'm trying to pare down the collection to just the essentials. <laughs> yeah. Literally every time I talk to Nick. That's, that's like literally that's me. I have said those exact words only replace seventy eights with comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. So right after that he's like, uh like do you do you remember what he says exactly? Not right after that. Ba- oh, yeah. Basically, he, it's like people people collect stuff because they're lonely and they like use stuff to you know uh, to qualify their existence or something like that. And yeah. in the in the video, I panned out from the TV screen 
to show my two huge, uh, just full cabinets of records and tapes and seven inches that and all the comic books that I gave and you all the com- <laughs> and all the comic books that you gave me. Oh my god! And guys. I was just I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh no, this this hits way too close to the home. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't necessarily relate to that sentiment. I feel like. I have a balance. And Luke, I feel like you do too. Oh, yeah. Whereas Seymour like, totally has a do. very, yeah, yeah, Seymour has a very like negative view on those Dude, things. Dude, Seymour was a dork. But Let's be real. Seymour was yeah. a total dork. Like, like mm-hmm. you guys are- that we're not. Now I'm offended even you, more. You're not a dork. <laughs> you guys are total not dorks, like in a good you're way. You're not a dork. You're a nerd. Thanks. Yeah. No. Thanks, Andre. The only cool person here, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a dork as well. I'm just not a dork in Listen, that Listen, I know way. how to, I know how to ride a skateboard, so. <laughs> oh, so Luke is automatically the cool one. <laughs> But can he ride Cut two that. skateboards like Steve Buscemi in that GIF? Steve Buscemi? What? There, there's a GIF when he's like, well, hello, kids. How you doing? You know that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that. In that one, he's that, literally that's... holding two skateboards. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. That's right. I saw yeah. that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I got to say, Seymour's character was really, really awesome to touch. I, I thought that that mm-hmm. was really nice for them to do that. Too bad it went nowhere. Yeah, well, it went places that we didn't want it to go. <laughs> well, well, it went places yeah. we didn't want it to go, but too bad it ended up going nowhere in terms of like themes, like yeah. thematically. Do, it went nowhere. do we do we know specifically what twenty minutes to the end was? No, it's like, probably somewhere we, between the a... art show and the sax and the and the bus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think yeah, I feel like it was the art show because all this, the art show, all of a sudden, like. The that scene where they that scene was so funny. That scene was so yeah. fucking. Oh. Wait, can we I, talk I about would, the art like, teacher? This yes. Doesn't feel like anything like the comic or even the movie before that. Something's something. Some some producer had their you know claws in it, but no, they was just fucking making it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the art teacher because that was the other really big addition i also loved it so good yeah right like, so like good that, they, the, another reason i fucking loved it the actress of the teacher was oh, so perfect good like maybe the best actress i've seen all year like like seriously <laughs> and, no and then i want to say but too bad it went nowhere it went nowhere yeah. like it, it, it made some commentary yeah. but like at, at, for what because at the end of the day like the movie ended up going nowhere so any commentary that it tried to achieve was pretty much meaningless well it i think the commentary didn't need to go anywhere else. I felt like it was more just another exploration of a theme. And the theme being like, people create their own systems of bullshit. <laughs> hmm, that's and interesting. I, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, so that was how I saw the whole thing about the art teacher. Like, and like, I did love her though. Even when like that one girl like just saying like oh yeah it's like a commentary on like a woman's right to choose yeah and, <laughs> and she's like beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole thing that's very much like the way that the adult world sees like this like thing that is complete bs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well to be honest that girl's art was pretty good <laughs> like to be fair to give that her credit hanger structure yeah like i, I thought that, i thought that I, was interesting it was actually pretty interesting yeah if you the, if the, she's a high schooler the second i saw that hanger statue i was like oh shit i know exactly what's going <laughs> yeah, on yeah like it I actually know, worked I, I know exactly what's gonna happen next it actually worked but i, I thought- guess I guess that's good art. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I thought that Eden's <laughs> indifference and annoyance of it, I think, was more telling than anything. I actually thought it was okay, you know. But mm-hmm. but with that aside, I get what you're saying, and I, the, I see that the short film that she showed at first was it was like water mirror oh, water. I love that. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, I really did love when. I mean, it was kind of controversial the whole thing with Eden bringing that like racist yeah. poster. I didn't like. I don't know what they were trying to achieve, but I did like how at the end of the day, it was kind of like she made some bullshit up and and it goes along with what you're saying she made some bullshit up and the teacher's like great mm-hmm. i'm giving so, you a scholarship so i get that it's found art <laughs> yeah so, yeah right so it's <laughs> found art that's good so then so then there's that but then there's also like the art show where it's like it, where where did it go like so so people didn't like that obviously it was racist and and mm-hmm. why, why was eden like what was Enid, yeah. yeah what was the what, what yeah Enid, what was going on there like you know yeah. that's where it probably started being made up that's probably yeah. where it started yeah. being made up yeah because the whole thing like I got a good laugh out of it, like the "Don't you dare take that down! Don't you take that down!" <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, that was pretty. I, that funny. might be the only time I laughed during the whole movie, but yeah. Oh, I laughed. I actually there laughed out good, loud a bunch of times. Yeah, there were some good funny moments in that movie. Yeah, but um, yeah, but that that scene, it really it didn't end up meaning much. Which is kind of like okay, so we we had this really great idea, but then we kind of just like let it mm-hmm. die. Yeah. 
And then she didn't get into art school. Okay. I mean, I mean, I just, yeah. it clearly was made up. It, now that you're saying this, it's so clearly they last minute made it up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. And then that's of course where she um, fucked Seymour. And then Seymour broke up with his girlfriend and he lost his job because of the poster. And then, and then he, he's, see, he's, he's yeah. seeing a therapist. And then she and goes to yeah. his magic Mom? school bus into yeah. the past, I guess. I don't fucking know. Like, it, it... <laughs> also, also just, just, just for reference, that was a city bus. City buses are on a track, so she's just gonna be coming right back in like two or three hours. I don't. <laughs> Interesting. It, it, it's not I, a I Greyhound like that. bus. That's a good point. On. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point, Luke. Like, what? Yeah. Was that? Maybe that was the point. But then again, it was it was out of service forever, and now it's magically there, and it's like a 1950s bus. You know. But then again, that was from the comic. No, that the you still see old. You don't see them here, but in. Like just just recently, by by where we live in Florida, they still had the buses like that until very recently. So I'm wondering, do you think that that was on purpose then by the creators? They were kind of making shit up, but they were like, you know what? It's a bus that'll come right back. So it's just like her character; she'll always end up going right back to where she is in her shitty situation. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. but then what's yeah, the point maybe. of like? The, yeah, yeah but, it it didn't connect as well as it should have. Yeah, but but okay, it didn't yeah. connect as well as it should have. Okay, but then. Why are you making that point? Like you're just making like this is a bad person and bad yeah. people exist. What what what? Where? Why is she there? What, are we supposed mm-hmm. to feel sympathetic? I mean, she is still a seventeen to eighteen year old. Like, I mean, where where is our stance on on our, on this character? So Look, it is a little confusing. She's she's getting a new life in the next town over. But but yeah, well, I'm just kind of exploring the idea that <laughs> they possibly. The I'm just exploring the idea that they possibly made it on purpose so that it would show that she'd end up right where she started mm-hmm. in terms of like w- where her um, actions took her. Yeah. But I, I think in the, I think in the book, it wasn't supposed to be that. No, it, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. The book was about growth oh, no. yeah. and friendship. Like so- she, she clearly does move on. And yet, yeah. So maybe it could have been like, maybe they just wanted to recreate the scene from the book and that was the ending they had in mind. So they kept it, mm-hmm. but like it ended up not actually connecting and now we're making more of it than it should have been. Yeah. Because that's what I'm trying to say. I, I feel like if that's what they were trying to achieve, they could have been more clear. Point one. Point two. If they did mean to do that and they just accidentally weren't clear enough, then why were they making that point? Because it doesn't line up with what they were making in the doing in the book. And then point three what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Those are my three points. <laughs> okay. Moving on. I want to talk about the directing. So mm-hmm. as I said before, he came from being a documentarian. And I think you can really feel that in a lot of cases. Um, like it was it was very slow, sort of lingered on things a lot. Um, so do you guys think that sort of captured the tone of the comic? Do you think that ended up working? Definitely. It yeah. definitely works. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it, it very, yeah. But besides it capturing the the essence of the comic, it, it did feel very much like you're, you're in this world. You're, you know, there aren't a million cuts happening all at once. Like, it. it but also, maybe it was also a product of the time because when, when did this come out? Two thousand one. One. Most, you know. If if you compare cinema in, in regards to editing and cutting now compared to back then, it was much much slower because either you didn't have the freedom because you were shooting film, but also I, th- I think this might have been shot digital because there was some whatever. But uh, nowadays we have more freedom to make you know a million cuts where back then you you got what you got. Mm. But I I I did like it. I think it was on purpose, Luke. A lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, Top Gun was made before that movie. Top Gun is, is <laughs> like you can't say that in a way. Yeah, yeah. But but I do but, I do get what you're saying. Um, but I do think that it was on purpose, and I think it's because he just makes documentary, and I think that it just conveniently worked out. I don't even know how much of it mm-hmm. was conscious. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like that was the only thing that he knew. Yeah, yeah. But it worked. <laughs> it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a what the uh, one of my favorite scenes actually is the one of the first scenes with Ingrid and her father, like eating breakfast, just because it was just, I believe one stationary tripod shot of the two of them across mm-hmm. the table from each other for like two, two or three minutes. Yeah. And I kept, ex- I kept expecting them to cut from, you know, face to face, but they didn't. And I just liked that so much mm-hmm. because Besides the fact that you don't see that very often, you got to see these characters really interact in a space that felt 
natural and in a documentary style, you're looking at these people's lives from behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I read a, an interview from around the time that it came out, and uh, they were talking about how, I think it was Dan Klaus was saying how Zweigoff would just leave the camera running a lot of the time after takes, like after the dialogue was done. And then like they ended up capturing a lot of natural moments because of that, and then they left them in. And so- this, that felt like that. It was that was one of the scenes that he specifically mentioned, and like at the end, the dad is like eating the sandwich, and like Enid becomes sort of disgusted. That was actually Thora Birch becoming disgusted from watching him <laughs> eat in kind of a disgusting way. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it worked so well. Yeah, nice. I love yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, another interesting fact: the cinematographer. I don't have his name. I'm sorry, nameless cinematographer. <laughs> They always go so unrecognized. Um, But yeah, they uh, specifically oversaturated the colors just a tiny bit. Not a lot. It wasn't like, Hmm. it wasn't super in your face, but it wanted to get there just enough. Not necessarily so that it would feel like a comic, but so that you would get like a certain feeling of being sort of outside of reality. And Klaus also said to get the feeling of being... uh, like in the modern world where everything is always trying to capture your attention at once. I like that. That's a really yeah. nice touch. I, I I noticed that with the uh with her red dress thing at the at the end right before mm-hmm. she oh, you know Seymour, and I was like, oh, I I I I didn't notice it before, but I was like, that is unnaturally red. That is that's You're comic right. book red. I, I get that. I get that vibe. Yeah, and her like her hair. Yeah, too when it was green. Yeah, yeah they really do a good job. Oh yeah, that. yeah. Settle is cool. Mm-hmm. So I think we've said uh, pretty much everything we have to say about this. So any final thoughts before we go on to our preferences? Um, I just want to say that um, I think that the like the the movie had the potential to do what the what I was talking about earlier with the book. Like I wish they had the opportunity to expand upon it a little bit more in some mm-hmm. important ways. And I thought that the movie was a good chance to do that. But the structure was there, the opportunity was there, but they just fumbled. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't really forgive them for that. So, Andre. <laughs> there is no forgiveness. Yeah. Andre, the, uh, the movie is 111 minutes. Do you think that if they made it like an hour 45 and included more of the sea, uh, more the the storylines from the comics that you would have enjoyed it more? No. Or nope. No. The movie the problem with the movie wasn't that it wasn't similar enough to the comics. As a matter of fact, I thought that it was a really good touch, the moments that they did bring from the comics. Um, but um what didn't work was the character arcs. Those were the problems. Because that's where <clears throat> the the heart of the story was. And it it went nowhere. <clears throat> All right. So time for our preferences. Book. Um yeah. Andre, book. God Luke, you said already. And it's obvious <laughs> movie. So me, I preferred the book. <laughs> oh. oh, so once again, wait. So once again, once, the line yeah. is: you're always with the book. Luke's always with the movie, and uh, I'm like, once again, somewhere in between. I like yeah, that. Somewhere in between. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. In the spectrum of book and movie, I'm in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait. So this was this was book. Lone Wolf and Cub was movie. The previous two were both book. Was it? Wait. So well, the mask three was book, one movie. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm not that much of a swing boat. Mm. I guess I just like when... I don't know. I guess we'll see in future episodes. I'm excited for Barbarella because yeah. that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk right, about we- that in a second. But um, first off, I want to give some closing quotes. So I'm not sure exactly where these quotes were sourced from, but I found them in the book that was titled Adaptations from 2005. It was um, a book about short stories that had been adapted into movies. And so I was talking about Ghost World and there was a quote from Dan Klaus and a quote from Terry Zwagoff, which sort of go together in my mind. And they're sort of about the nature of comics versus movies that we were talking about. So from Klaus, he said, even in the face of utter indifference, there are those of us who will continue to create comics, if only because of the vast unexplored prairie between what has been done and the thrilling possibilities that lie all around us in all directions. That's awesome. That's a great quote. So then mm-hmm. Terry Zwagoff's uh, quote about movies was, Unfortunately, most people who are successful in Hollywood or any other business are not oddballs at all. 
they don't get the type of characters we have in the film, the misfits and the alienated. That's a good point. So both of them are really great artists. I just want to say they're both mm-hmm. really great artists in their own right. And I have uttermost respect for them. Yeah. Despite my problems with the movie. Yeah. Luke, watch Crumb once it comes to Criterion. Crumb is a really great movie. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. I, I'll, I'll watch it. Cool. All right. Sweet. So next month we're going to be doing Barbarella. It's just uh, it's collected as Barbarella Volume 1 by Jean-Claude Forrest and the 1968 Barbarella movie. It's time for some strange, sexy sci-fi, guys. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited for this. Starring Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda's <laughs> the best. Like, she's the goat. All right. So we'll see you all next month. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Bye.